8, all right? Let's take our Bibles this evening. Let's go to the book of Galatians, all right? Galatians chapter 2 tonight, okay? Galatians chapter 2 this evening. As we're studying through this book of the Bible on Wednesday evenings, and it's a really encouraging study for me, and I hope it's been one for you thus far. But we're going to be in chapter number two, and as you're finding your place there, I do want us to, again, as we come to this book of the Bible, keep the bird's eye view in mind, uh, kind of try to keep the whole, uh, at least the gist of it, the overall view of it, of this book in mind, all right? So be reminded that Paul is writing, he's addressing the churches in the area or region of Galatia, all right? So not just one church in one city. This is an area. This is a region. It'd be like the southeast region of the United States, right? So it's a large landmass area of churches he is addressing. But he's writing to these churches for this reason, for this purpose. He's writing because this main purpose of false teachers that have crept in to this region and into these churches called Judaizers. But these Judaizers were spreading a false gospel of adding works to the finished work of Jesus Christ. You see, these Judaizers were adding rituals and rules to the finished work of Jesus Christ. Understand the true gospel is simply this, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ plus nothing, minus nothing, all right? But the Judaizers were adding to this finished work of Christ. So Paul, understanding this was the case, understanding his threat to the church, this threat to the truth, this threat to the gospel, sits down with a pen in hand, and he does this, lovingly, passionately, and yet very sternly, picks up his, his pen and declares and defends the true gospel of Jesus Christ because these Judaizers were perverting the true gospel of Jesus Christ, which in turn also causes great chaos in the hearts and minds of God's people. So Paul has had enough of that. He sits down, puts pen to paper, and trying to encourage these believers, these churches in the area of Galatia. So keep that overview in mind, bird's eye view in mind, as you read and study the book of Galatians. So we're going to be in Galatians chapter 2, and we're going to read in verse 11 through 21 in just, in just a moment, all right? And before we do read our text, I do want us to get the uh, scene, if you will, of these verses in mind. You see, in the first part, first half of Galatians chapter 2, Paul is talking about his time to when he, when he himself went to Jerusalem. Because it was there in Jerusalem that Paul went to the Jerusalem conference to settle once and for all that salvation again is by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And no matter of works would justify a man before God. No justification is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. But it was while he was there, he met up, of course, with Peter, James, and John, uh, those mighty apostles, and as even, even Paul calls them, th those that seem to be pillars in the church. But as we come to these verses this evening, in verses 11 through 21, it's no longer Paul in Jerusalem, but now we have Peter in Antioch, all right? So the, ch the scene has changed a little bit. 
So keep in mind, picture in your mind at least, if you will, uh, Peter is now in Antioch. Now remember, Antioch is a Gentile city, all right? And it's also a very important uh, church in church history, a very important church and area uh, with a matter of missions because it was out of the church at Antioch that Paul would be sent on his missionary journeys. It was out of the church at Antioch that the disciples were called what first? Christians first. Where? At Antioch. So understand, Antioch is a very important place on the map. It's central, really, is very central for the mission efforts to the Gentile people, okay? But now we have that Peter, have, we have Peter, has come to the area of Antioch. He's come to town. Now listen, this would have been a big deal. For Peter to come from Jerusalem to Antioch would have been a big deal. A big deal for Peter to be surrounded by the Gentile Christians and a big, big deal for these Gentile believers themselves. Why? Well, because this is the Peter, right? The Peter has come to our town. But the arrival of Peter was known, somehow known, by the Judaizers. And no doubt these Judaizers, these Jews, these, these of, the, of the circumcision, as he calls them, no doubt they wanted to curb what was going on among the Gentile people and Gentile believers in this area of the world. They wanted to put a wet blanket on what was going on in the churches there in Antioch. So these Judaizers have come to Antioch as well, and Paul is simply looking back and reminding them, reminding the Galatian believers of this encounter that he had with Peter, that Antioch had with Peter, and that they had with these Judaizers. All right, so get this scene in mind. At this moment, Paul is simply reminding the Galatian believers of that encounter at Antioch. All right, you got it? Good, let's look at it. Okay, Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 11. The Bible says this, But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews disassembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? You know, questions are good, by the way. Questions stir the conscience, all right? But accusations harden, harden the wheel. But questions are good. Verse 15. We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no man or no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but, I, but, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead. In vain. Father, I thank you for the word of God. 
Help us, I pray, as we look into it. Open our hearts and our minds to it, that we may behold wondrous things out of thy law. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so just to forewarn you this evening, we're probably not going to get past, um, probably not get past verse 14 tonight, okay? But it's loaded here. But as we look at this scene and Paul's reminding these believers, the Galatian believers of, uh, of this time when he and Peter were in Antioch, there's a few things I'd like for us to consider. And the first one is this, all right? Number one, if you're taking notes, write down this. We see, number one, Peter's fear. Look again at verse number 11. But when Peter came to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. At this moment, we see that Peter had a lot of fear. Now, Peter is a man who has been fearful before. If you look back in the, in, the New, in the New Testament, the gospel records especially, you will see Peter full of fear different, many different times, especially at that one time when it's very famous, we know that he did this, when he denied the Lord Jesus Christ three times. Why did he do that? Because he feared the people around him. And even one of those individuals that's around him he feared was the Bible calls a maid. And that would have been a young lady, just a, just a young lady. He was terrified. Here's this, this rough, gruff fisherman scared of a little girl. But what causes somebody to be so fearful? Why does he get so fearful? You know, fear really is a powerful tool. It's a very powerful tool in the hands of the wrong people, and especially in the hands of the devil himself. But understand, God's not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. But fear in the wrong hands can be very, very powerful. It's a very powerful tool. Fear is. Let me ask you a question. Anyone here afraid of anything? Yeah, me too. <laughs> I have a few things I'm, I'm afraid of. Let me ask you this. Anybody scared of spiders? Oh, come on. You, you, scared, of, you scared of spiders? If you ever want to see me and my famous ninja moves, follow me through the woods and I run into a spider web. You'll see how quick I become a ninja, you know. <laughs> but I don't like that part. They don't scare me too bad, but run into a spider web thinking that big spider's on it, now he's down my shirt, about to bite me, and I turn into Spider-Man. That's a little bit freaky, you know what I'm saying? But uh, who here, you're afraid of heights? Anybody? You don't like heights? All right. Who here, you're afraid of, uh, afraid of dogs? Anybody afraid of dogs? Don't come to my house. All right, we've got a few of them. Anybody afraid of mice? <laughs> How about this? Who here is afraid of snakes? Forget it. I hate snakes. I hate them. The only good snake is a dead one. Amen, all right? I don't like snakes. I don't do snakes. I know there's so-called good ones that eat the bad ones, blah, blah, blah. Look, as long as it's away from me, that's fine. I don't want to be around or near a snake. A garter snake, I don't care. I don't want to be around it because those things can still bite you, you know what I'm saying? But anyway, but I don't like, I don't like snakes. Now, we all are afraid of something, but we all have a different response to when we are, are fearful. There's three different responses that people have when they become fearful. It is, one, they will fight. They'll fight their way out of it. Another way, a response is, they'll, is a flight. I mean, they run away from it, all right? I see a snake, I run, okay? If I have my pistol on me, I shoot the snake, then I run, all right? But uh, it's the, you, you have the fight or flight. Then there's this one. There's the freeze response. You just get frozen stiff, scared to death. And some people have a combination of all three, all right? But understand something, fear 
is a very powerful thing. But the fear that Peter had here wasn't a fear of heights or spiders or snakes or anything like that. It wasn't even the healthy fear of the Lord. We all need to have that, a fear of God. But that wasn't that kind of fear that Peter had here. It would seem, as we look at this text this evening and see Peter here, that he had a fear, but it was a fear of man. It was the fear of, really, the brethren. Peter feared them, as the Bible says here, that were of the circumcision, meaning those Jewish individuals that came from Jerusalem. And as we read our Bibles, we know what the fear of man can do. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 25. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Peter feared, understand something, Peter feared the opinion of the brethren more than the truth of God. And that put Peter in a snare. That put Peter in a trap. Peter feared man. Let's look at verse number 12, kind of break it down a little bit more, all right? So keep your eyes on verse number 12, and I'm going to take phrase by phrase here and just kind of break it down, and I'm going to point out a few facts about the fear that Peter had, okay? So look at verse number 12. It says this, For before that certain came from James. All right, what does this mean? This meaning that this could have been messengers that came from Pastor James, or at least from the church in Jerusalem. And these messengers would be coming from, from this area of Jerusalem. It could have been the church or just that area all right, of Judah. Let's just put it that way, in a very broader area. But they came to Antioch. Now why? Why were they coming to Antioch? Well, maybe. It doesn't necessarily say, but you, some folks want to try to read into it, but it could be they were coming to check in on Peter. It could be they were coming to check in on the believers. We don't know exactly why these official Jewish officials came from Jerusalem. But when they came, the Bible says this. Look at verse 12 again. For before that certain came from James, he, that's Peter, he did eat with the Gentiles. He did eat with them. Now, you can imagine Peter coming to your own town. You can imagine him coming to, let's just say, Fletcher. And let's just give it more specific, coming to Boiling Springs. Think about it. Would you be thrilled or not to think that the great apostle Peter is coming to preach at Boiling Springs? Would you be excited about it? Yeah, I would be too. And no doubt these believers, these Gentile believers, were thrilled that Peter was coming to their town. They were in awe that the mighty apostle Peter was going to be there in the flesh. And no doubt, no doubt, they want to speak with Peter. I know that I would. I know that I would want to talk to Peter personally. I'd have many questions. I'd have questions like, hey, Peter, <laughs> what was it like to walk with Jesus? I mean, tell me, what was Jesus like, man? Please tell me. I want to know more. Peter, tell me more about the Sermon on the Mount. Tell me more about the, about the preaching and teaching of Jesus Christ. Peter, Peter, I, I want to know this, this right here. Tell me, what was it like? to literally hear with your own ears Jesus Christ praying. What, what, what was that like? Peter, what was it like to see those people raised from the dead? Peter, what was it like to be part of the feeding of the 5,000? What was that like, man? Tell me. Peter, what was all these things, all these things like? Peter, I want you to tell me this one. Tell me what was it like to see Jesus Christ after he had been risen from the dead, please, would you tell me? 
What did those scars look like? Those print, nail prints look like? What did he look like? Tell me. Tell me what he looked like on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, I don't know about you, but I have a bunch of questions. <laughs> and I would really want to talk to him. And no doubt these believers would have the same kind of questions and want to sit down with him and talk with him. These new Christians wanted to spend time with Peter and hear more of the eyewitness accounts of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what better way of having that conversation, what better way of talking to Peter than to do this, to invite the apostle over for a meal. And of course, you invite any preacher over for a meal. Any good Baptist preacher worth his weight and salt is going to say, amen, absolutely. So no doubt, with the invitation to come and eat, he came and accepted that invitation. But keep in mind, keep in mind, where is Peter? He's in Antioch. And these Christians, these believers in Antioch, they're Gentiles. They're not Jewish people. They're not used to the Jewish customs. They're not used to the Jewish laws. Maybe some of the Jewish believers back in Jerusalem were still trying to keep some of those laws of, the, of, the, of their uh, Jewish religion. Maybe they're trying to still keep some of those things. But these believers, they didn't know nothing about that. They're not keeping the dietary laws. And so as Peter, a Jewish man, coming to a Gentile church to eat and fellowship with them, that meant he got to eat some really good food. Now, I'm just imagining here, use my sanctified imagination. It could be, keyword could be, that when Peter came to Antioch and ate with the believers there, he had, for the first time, crab legs. For the first time, he had some shrimp, Mr. Eddie. For the first time, he sat down and bit into an amazing barbecue sandwich <laughs> or an amazing country ham or this, the best crispy bacon you could ever have in your entire life. Do you know what goes good with bacon? Bacon. Bacon goes good with bacon, in case you're wondering, all right? So they didn't have these Jewish dietary laws here. So Peter, coming to eat with them, would have eaten whatever, no doubt, they fixed for him. And by the way, there would have been nothing wrong with Peter doing that. Nothing wrong with Peter eating, eating barbecue, eating the bacon, eating all these things. He wasn't sinning against the Lord. He was not in some staunch rebellion against God's word. Remember, Jesus already spoken on this matter with Peter personally sometime before. In Acts chapter number 10, it is there when Jesus said this, What God hath cleansed, that call thou not common. Now he used, of course, animals that the Jewish dietary laws would say don't eat. But of course, in the context, he's speaking of the Gentiles people as far as fellowshipping with them and the gospel is going to them and later on you see Peter preaching the gospel to Cornelius all right so that's the, the overall context in a nutshell with Acts chapter number 10 but Peter knew it'd been fine there's nothing wrong with eating this the food with them and fellowshipping with them there's nothing wrong there Peter knew what he was doing was fine and good eating with the Gentiles was a good thing fellowshipping with the Gentiles would have been a wonderful thing accepting the Gentiles as the same as one body, one family in Christ would have been a beautiful thing to see with, with, with Brother Peter in the midst of them all. But, keep your eyes on verse 12, notice the next phrase. But when they were come, they, meaning the Jewish messengers from James, he, that's Peter, when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself. From who? 
from the Gentile believers in Antioch. Why? Here it is, look at verse 12. Fearing them which were of the circumcision. So I want you to try to picture in your mind, Peter sitting around the table, or maybe right in the middle of, a, of the fellowship. Maybe he's down in the fellowship hall at the First Baptist Church in Antioch, all right? And they're all enjoying a great time of fellowship and food one with another, but in walk... Some new faces that have not been into service. New faces they don't really recognize. And it happens to simply be some folks from Jerusalem. Those of the circumcision. And as Peter has barbecue sandwich in hand, about to take another big old bite, looks up from his plate and sees them walk in. Upon seeing the circumcision, those of the circumcision, Peter immediately drops his sandwich and begins to snub the Gentile believers and backtrack on his friendliness and on his fellowship and gives these people the cold shoulder. I try to picture this in my mind, and as, every time I try to do that, it's really just sad. But that's kind of what has happened in this text. I mean, goodness, Peter, everything was going so well. He was enjoying the fellowship, enjoying the food, enjoying new friends. But because Peter feared those people that walked in the door that were of the circumcision party from Jerusalem, Peter was immediately intimidated. And Peter immediately caved and withdrew himself, as the Bible says, and also did this, separated himself. Why? Why would he do something so silly and so foolish? Because of the fear of man. That's why. Understand something, the fear of man can be a very tragic thing. The fear of the opinion of another brother in Christ was a very tragic, can be a tragic thing, especially as it goes against the word of God. So, quickly, take note of this. As we look at Peter's fear of man here, all right? Peter's fear, number one, caused him to do this. Number one, it caused him to compromise. It caused him to compromise. Now, what is compromise? Okay, in a nutshell, it is this. It means to make a deal between two parties where each party gives up a part of their stance or a part of ground in which they're standing, all right, or, or demand that they're standing upon. Now, as we look in our text, we see that only Peter himself was the one who gave up ground on which he was standing for this compromise. And that ground on which he was standing was this, liberty and freedom and oneness in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look again at verse number 12. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. Peter knew. Again, be reminded, Peter knew it was okay to eat with them. He knew it was okay to fellowship with them. He knew they were the same in the Lord. As the Bible says in Acts chapter 10, verse 34 and 35, the very words of Peter himself, listen, then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, <clears throat> I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Again, in the same house of Cornelius and Joppa, all right? He is in the same house among Gentiles. He is saying, he's saying these words. He said, of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. This is what Peter is saying. So he knows, he knows it's good to be where he's at. He knows it's great to fellowship with them. 
Again, he would know this in Romans chapter 10, verse 12. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter if you're Jew. Doesn't matter if you're Gentile. Doesn't matter. Whoever calls upon Christ will be saved. It's a promise from the word of God. And Peter knew this. He knew this. But because of the fear of these Jews, Peter backtracked on that truth and compromised on the word of God. He compromised. Like I said in the beginning, the fear of man can make you do some very silly and foolish things. And this is definitely one of them. This backing up, this compromising on the truth of God and backing up trying to please man because you have a fear of man is absolutely 100% silly and foolish. All right. So what does the fear of man cause you to do? Well, it'll cause you to compromise, and it'll cause you to compromise really on the word of God, what God says. All right, here's what else happened. Because Peter had a fear of man, get, get this, his fear was, number two, it was contagious. Not only did it cause him to compromise, but it's also contagious. Do you know, or did you know, that fear can be just that? It can be contagious. There's people <laughs> that have done this as a... Um, well, I guess some kind of experiment, right? <clears throat> People will, I've seen it, it's, it's actually pretty funny. They'll run around, they'll come around the corner of a building. Somebody's, of course, videoing. Got, everybody's got phones now, of course, videoing everything, right? But they're videoing the guy coming, running around the corner. And he's running up like Main Street. And he's screaming, run, run, run. And you know what happens? People start running right behind him. They don't even know why. You know why? Because this guy seems to be scared, and they're scared because he's scared. <laughs> No wonder the Bible calls us sheep, because sheep do some very dumb things when they get scared, you know what? But it can be contagious. Fear can be contagious. Look at verse 13. <clears throat> verse 13. And I want you to notice a name in this verse, all right? Verse 13. And the other Jews disassembled likewise with him, insomuch that, here it is, Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. Barnabas. We know this guy. He's a famous character in Scripture. We, we took note of him, an inventory of him last Wednesday when we were looking at Galatians because, again, he, was, he is mentioned in the, in the uh, verse, number, uh, verse number 9. Nope. Anyway, in other verses in chapter 2, all right? But he's mentioned before. We took inventory of Barnabas, but the one thing that really sticks out for us with Barnabas is this. Barnabas was a what? He was a, starts with an E, ends with an encourager, all right? He is... Encourager, thank you. All right. <clears throat> he was an encourager. Son of consolation, that's what it means. He was a son of comfort, the one who encourages people. And he did that often. He would encourage people. He encouraged the disciples, the apostles there in Jerusalem. He was, encourages Paul in his missionary efforts and journeys. He encouraged John Mark, his own nephew, to get back into the ministry. Look, he was an encourager. He was an encourager. That's who he was, to put courage into, to support, to give confidence and hope to. That's who Barnabas was. But in this moment, this right here does not sound <clears throat> like the son of consolation, like the encourage that we love and know as Barnabas. As it says this in verse 13 again, the Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. It doesn't seem that Barnabas is being too good of an encourager here. It doesn't seem like he's acting like the man of faith, the man who's full of the Holy Ghost, as the Bible says in Acts eleven twenty four. It doesn't seem like he's being that kind of guy in this 
moment. Why? Why? Because the mighty apostle Peter, his friend, one of the pillars of the church, was afraid of those men that walked in that door that day. And because Peter was afraid of them, it caused Barnabas to be afraid of them also. And just so you know, it wasn't just Barnabas that was scared of them. It wasn't just Peter that was scared of them. Look again at verse 13. And the other Jews disassembled likewise with him. There were many others with him. Other Jewish people that were joined the fellowship with the Gentiles, joined the fellowship with, the, with these non-Jewish people in Antioch, enjoying the food, enjoying this time together as one in the Lord, enjoying all of this. There were many other Jews with them. But as soon as they saw those of the circumcision, like, uh-oh, we're in trouble. We better go. They immediately left, withdrew themselves, as the Bible says, and separated from, from them. Why? Because they had the fear of man. And this fear can be contagious. All right. So it can be, it can lead to compromise. It's, this kind of fear is contagious. And notice this lastly quickly. This kind of fear is very confusing. It causes confusion. And understand something, God is not the author of confusion. And if God's not the author of confusion, then who is? The devil. Absolutely. Satan himself is the author of it, not God. Look at verse 14. We see the confusion here. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of the Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as the Jews? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, man, that's a piercing question right there. It's like, oh. Paul, you got me, man. I have no response. I am so sorry. I'm a hypocrite. I am an absolute loser. Please forgive me, all right? That's the only answer he could have given at that moment, okay? He had to be able to repent, no doubt. He didn't respond to that. There was no response, none whatsoever. Because he was doing this, this fear was causing confusion to these individuals, to these Gentiles. I can imagine the confusion that took place in the hearts and minds of these Gentile believers the Gentiles that were just enjoying the fellowship with Peter and Barnabas and the other Jews that took Peter in, that fed them, that learned and listened to Peter as he no doubt taught them and preached of the Lord Jesus Christ, that hosted Peter in their home, that hosted Peter in their church, that looked up to Peter, that have grown even in the Lord Jesus Christ because of Peter and the other apostles and no doubt even of Barnabas himself because remember it was Barnabas that came down one, one other time to Antioch to encourage the believers and the Lord. They learned of these men, looked up to them, Love them. And now, because the people that these Gentiles don't know, but the Jews too, because these Jews that came in, they're scared to death of them, and now they can't fellowship with them? Well, come on, man, what is that? That's so confusing. That's so confusing. Look, Peter had a fear of man that caused these precious Gentile believers great confusion. And this, no doubt, was very hypocritical in Peter's life, Barnabas' life, and the rest of the Jews that were with them at this moment. And if we have a fear of man more than the fear of God, then it will cause us to want to please man over pleasing the Lord every single time. And I want you to know something, dear Christian. You only have one person to please, and it ain't man. It's only God. You please the Lord... That's all that matters. 
That's all that truly matters. Because it's not going to be a man that you stand before one day and give an account of your life to. You're going to stand before God. And it's not going to be a man that says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. No, no, no. It's going to be the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if you live to please him, you'll hear those words from his very lips. So please the Lord, not man. Not man. Don't have a fear of man more than a fear, fear of God. Because if you do, it'll cause you to be just like these individuals here, an absolute staunch hypocrite. It's interesting to me as you look at verse 13. It says, and the other Jews disassembled likewise with them, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their, and the next word is this, dissimulation. Now what is that word? Well, in the Greek, it's the Greek word, hypocrites. all right? It's where we get a word hypocrite from. That's exactly what's going on. They're being carried away with their hypocrisy. And this comes from a fear of man causing Peter to play the role of a hypocrite. That's what will happen every time. Now, before you think I'm being too harsh on Peter or even Barnabas, these other guys that were there, I understand something. I know we're all made of the same fallen flesh. We're all made of the same dirt, all right? We are. We're all made of the same dust of the ground. We are. We're all capable of the same, same fear and, and same um, man-pleasing as Peter has portrayed here in our, in our text. But just understand and please know it can be, as I said beginning, it can be tragic. It can be dangerous. Yes, it can be dangerous to others around that we're trying to influence for the Lord. But understand this. Here's what's really dangerous. For this reason, it can be dangerous to the gospel. Look at verse 14 again. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all. You see, that's what really got him. This is what struck a chord with Paul. It wasn't because you shouldn't have ate that barbecue and bacon, man. It wasn't because you wouldn't fall into dietary laws, or it wasn't because these Gentiles may not have been uh, following the, the, having the sign of circumcision, all that. That wasn't what bothered him. What bothered him was the hypocrisy of Peter and Barnabas because it had an effect on the truth of the gospel. That's what bothered him. That's where he's casting a shadow. And that's why Paul is writing this book. Remember, he's defending the true gospel. Why? Because there's folks coming in with a false gospel. He's making sure they knew the true gospel of Lord Jesus Christ and the freedom we find in the Lord Jesus. Again, the gospel is not keeping a set of rules and regulations or rituals. No, the gospel is in the Lord Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Plain and simple. And this is what Paul is defending. But Peter, because he had a fear of man, was casting a shadow over the truth of the gospel. So I want to encourage you today, we're done, all right? I want to encourage you today, don't let the fear of man overrule your fear of God. And keep this verse in mind. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25, the fear of man bringeth a snare. But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall